title of this, we're just going to talk about the heart of the house. Is that all right? There's a scripture in Peter that says, who, we who were not a people. How many of you know we weren't a people? And it says, says, have become a people. And see, I believe this. Church should be a family and an army. You know, it's not just a family, but it's an army as well. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? A family nurtures us, but a fam, an army advances the kingdom. And I believe this for every one of us. How many know that great faith produces great fights? How many heard what I said? It's just a product of a great fight. How many you know, have you been through a fight this week? Not watching fights on TV. I'm not talking about that. You've been through a fight. You know, and then we know that the great testimonies are an outcome of great tests. I mean, you know, face the test this week. You know, wouldn't it be great if it came and said, this is a test. It's only a test of the eternal broadcasting system. The devil is coming. Watch out. Wouldn't that be great? They don't come that way. It just happens suddenly. And then we also know that great triumphs only come through great trials. And so this morning, you know, from the first day that we wanted to be a, a church here in Jennings, and, and we wanted to have a heart after Jesus. And whatever Jesus did in the community, that, that, went, that was our example, and that is our example. Whatever Jesus does in a community. And so none of us have seen God, but we have been attracted to Him. Why? You know, I, I know this. I saw people's lives changed. In my life. And because they begin to change and they begin to walk in the grace of God, which means the empowerment of God, that means they were actually living a lifestyle and living and doing things they weren't able to do in the natural before. Then all of a sudden Jesus came and poured himself in them with this liquid love. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Got all the junk, all the hurt, all the pain, all the junk that was inside of them, out of them. And all of a sudden they begin to walk passionately for Jesus and not only passionately, but they begin to walk in the power that I'd never seen in anybody's life. How I many you know what I'm talking about? When my grandmother could kick Salem's down the street, you know what I'm talking about? Y'all don't know. Salem's, you know. All right, y'all know, not Salem. You know, when I saw my friend that go from, you know, pornography and, and, and alcohol and, and all these other things that he did and kicked it down the street. And he said, hey, man, I'm not living like this anymore. God's changed me from the inside out, and I want to be different. How many are talking about? Amen. And then that's what God does. And so, listen, I had not preached in three weeks, so y'all going to have to bear with me. I, I got a fire in my belly this morning. I'm just telling you. I just feel like God wants to speak to us, and God wants so much to reveal his heart for you. Is that all right? Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Now look at him and say this. Look at him and say this. Jesus is in the house. See, because we've seen, and see, we not only have we seen God, we haven't seen God, but we've seen and experienced his love. How am I talking about? Even though you can't see him, you've experienced something about him. And see, I be, let, me, let me just set the story. We're going to go, if you can, go with me to John chapter 4. That's going to be our text this morning. And that's where we're going to kind of camp out. But, you know, Jesus is in the south part of Israel called Judea, Judah. And, and he's on his way north to Galilee. And the fastest way to Galilee is you've got to go through Samaria. And, and you say, well, what's the big deal, Pastor? How many of you have ever been to a city and you go, you stop and you go, I'm not going through that part of town to get over there. I'm going to go around it. How many of you talking about? I remember meeting a lady. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. She was, she was, she was come through Jenny. She, she heard about all the killings and her son, you know, the girls have been killed and the serial killer. And she said, she said, you know what? I, I was meeting her, talking to her. And she goes, Jenny, she goes, Shh. Honey, I'm from Houston. I was trying to get to New Orleans. And you know what? I had to pee so bad. And my son said, whatever you do, don't go to Jennings. <laughs> she said, man, I got in my car. I pulled up in Jennings at that Tobacco Plus place. And she said, man, I looked around. I looked to the left. I looked to the right. And I said, I can't hold it no more. <laughs> and she said, I went and I peed and I left as quick as I could. It's sad. You know, hear what I'm saying? But she, you know, her, her, her son said, whatever you do, don't stop. And see, what happens is, what's the big deal? Jews never traveled through Samaria. They, would, they went around Samaria, and the Jews and the Samaritans didn't hang out together. In fact, in order to go through Samaria, 
you know what? It was actually quicker to go through it than go around it by three days. And so how many of you know that God always wants to do a quick work in us? And he doesn't want to go around things. Sometimes we like to go around things before we talk to people. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I know I've got to tell them this. I know God's speaking to me that I've got to share this word with them. But you know what? Maybe I'll just talk about this a little bit and I'll talk about that. How many are you talking about? And you go around the situation and get a, go right to it. Okay, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. How many of y'all putting, been putting things off? All right, you got to go to it instead of go around it. All right? There's a word for you this morning. See, I believe this. I believe God wants to always do a quick work in us. But in the heart of Jesus, we see he wants to go through Samaria, not around it. And I believe this. He, he would find a woman at the well, and his disciples would go get lunch. And he asked the woman for a cup of water, and she's blown away that he's talking to her. Because she's a Samaritan, and we'll learn the story later. It's 12 o'clock in the afternoon. It's lunchtime, and most people go get water in the morning or in the afternoon to get the shade. But we know that she had some shame on her, and we're going to talk about that. So she went in the day so no one would see her, so she wouldn't have to talk about her pain or her shame. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you know that you avoid people sometimes because you don't want to talk about your pain? or you don't want to share with people about your shame that you've walked through or that you live by. How many are you talking about? And so I know this, but the heart of Jesus, we see he wants to go through it. And see, he asked the woman for a cup of of water and he tells her that he's the Messiah. You know, by the way, she's asking him a few questions and he answers a few things and then, then all of a sudden she goes, man, I perceive you may be a prophet. But he confesses to her that he's the Messiah. And everyone, let me just tell you something. There's people that say, well, Jesus never said he was the Messiah in the Bible. You know what I'm tell you? We're going to talk about that this morning. Jesus proclaims to be God in the Bible. How many of you are talking about? He is the Messiah. And so what happens is he tells him, and so what happens, and everyone's been waiting. I said, I'm the Messiah, the one everybody went. And she runs back to her city. She goes, man, you know, you know, like that song, freak out. You know what I mean? Remember that? She freaked out because he's telling her about herself. He's, she's hearing things about what's going on in her own heart. He kind of exposed a little bit of stuff that's going on inside of her. And all of a sudden she's going, wow, he, he really is. And she goes and she tells the city. She goes and tells the people. And they come and they meet Jesus. So what is the heart of the house? The first thing is we reach people. Our heart is to reach. How many of you know there's going to be only one heaven when you get to heaven. Only one. There's not a room for our Savior's church people. There's not a room for every denomination. I'm not going to go there. There's not a room for them. It's heaven. That's, you know what heaven means? Freedom. You know, when a, Pastor Jacob lost his son over nine days ago. And right now, Wesley's in heaven. He's more free than he's ever been in his entire life. He's worshiping the king. He actually matched the face behind the voice that guided him and spoke to him. You go, well, he was only 20 years old. But you know what? The crazy thing is he'd been reading a book and he told Pastor Jacob, he said this, Dad, the last day is going to be September 11th. And that was his last day. He said he'd been telling me for a year. And you imagine You know, and so what happens is, you know what, if you're called to worship God, if we're called to worship to God together, why can't we model that here on earth? I saw people here raising their hands and others like, I've never raised my hand in the church. If you're a visitor, it's okay. You you can sit there and watch us for a little while. That's okay. No, I'm serious. Because you're going, what's the questions are all about? (laughs) Some people have two questions. I've never seen people have two questions in church, you know. Seriously. And so what happens is Martin Luther King said at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings is the most segregated day of the week. You see, by Jesus' blood, he made us one. And, you know, he bled red for all of us. You see, the kingdom, the kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you want that? And that's what Jesus said. See, we must focus on the familiar and not the foreign. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? See, the Samaritans were half-breed Jews. What, what does that mean? They were Jewish, so they had something familiar with the Jewish culture, but they were also Assyrian. 
You know, all the Assyrians that are leaving and taking over Europe and all of that, and people are freaking out, and there's a lot of things happening in the Middle East that are actually Bible prophecy coming to pass. I mean, it's amazing. And we go, well, are we living in the last days? Well, we're, we're living in the last moments. This is our last days. Are you hearing me? We're closer to Jesus than we were yesterday. And so what happens is, that's a whole other message. Samaritans were barred from going to Jerusalem to worship. So they would go to the mountain to worship. And the Jewish people would go to Jerusalem to the temple and worship there. And so what happens is, is, is that we, 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 if, if you have more than one child, raise your hand. Wow, multiple children. How many of you, how many of your kids are different? They have different personalities. They came out of you and your wife, but they're different personalities. I'm not going to pick on my older children because I've done that for years. I'm going to pick on my little ones, Luke and Olivia. I can tell you what, they are night and day. My wife will tell Luke one time to do something and got it. Olivia? If she's in front of the mirror, forget it. If she's putting on socks, forget it. You know what I mean? Luke is like, hey, I got, I got this. I'll just put on some shorts and sh- things and, you know, I'll go play. Her, she's like very deliberate what she's playing in. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, ladies. You know what I'm talking about? And then I didn't hear. I'm bad at hearing. I feel like I'm at a Donald Trump place. But anyway, just I didn't hear that. But here. I didn't. I don't know what he said. So don't tell me. Anyway. <laughs> Just different personalities. They do different things different. That doesn't mean they're any less or any more. It's just they're, they're wired different. How I many you know what I'm talking about? You got some kids that, that are just serious about life. They come out serious. They come out like. And then you others, you have others come out kind of go. Questioning everything. Just the way we are. But see, what happens is the woman was surprised. In John chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 9, and the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? See, you got to read between the lines because what the lines are saying, see, there was a saying that the Samaritan has. Ask no favors from Samaritans. Don't ask me a favor. Don't ask me to pick up anything from you. Because there was something inside of them. Because what happened is they weren't a full Jew. They were Jewish and they were Assyrian. So the Jews didn't accept them. So there was something inside of them. They said, don't ask any favors of me. How many of you ever been wounded or hurt? If someone's coming to ask you that you've hurt all of your life in your home, don't hang out with them, don't play with them, don't do this with them. They're different because of this or that. I mean, I'm talking about. And he said, don't ask any favors from Samaritans. That was their, that was their, their line. And see, what happens is Jesus focuses on the familiar, not the foreign, because everyone has something to offer. How I many you know, it doesn't matter where you came from, doesn't matter what side of the body you're from, it doesn't matter where you, you know, if you're from North Louisiana, South Louisiana, you know what I'm talking about, Southwest Louisiana, Northeast Louisiana. I believe this is that everyone has something to offer. Everyone does. Jesus compares the church to a body. What does that mean? That means... We have hands. Look at how many you got hands. We have eyes. We have feet. We have a head. Some of you go, I don't know about that. Not the one sitting next to me. They got a head, but there ain't anything in it. But anyway, you leave that alone to after service. Jesus bridges every divide. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? He bridges the racial divide. He bridges the age. The age. You know what? I believe this is it. It does not matter if you're young because I've met people that are very young that got more wisdom than old people. I've seen people that have greater insight that are young than are old. And I've also seen older people try to depart wisdom to younger people. Hello. There's no age barrier. There's no gender barrier. Just because, you know, I've had people, what do you think women can do this and women? Let me just say, women can do some things better than men. And there's, and there's some women 
that can do better. There's some women that can do better than men, and there's some men that can do better than women in certain areas. I was talking to one of my friends. He's a champion caller, and he raised his little girl to, to call geese and ducks, and she won state. And he said they had this one guy, this one guy, he had a son, and, I, and he said every contest they would go to, his daughter would beat them. And he said, man, that must have tore him up. A girl. A girl. You know? And, and, and he said, yeah, she was in an older bracket. Uh, he was in an older bracket. She was a younger bracket. And he won his age group. And she won her age group. But she had more points than him, so she would have beat him anyway. It's like, wow. Dang. You know? And so, you know, there's things that that's what Jesus does. He bridges things. It, you know, he makes what seems sometimes familiar. He makes those things that are foreign. He makes those things that are familiar come to pass. It's for every one of us. Look at me. Every one of us, listen, Jesus comes into our lives. And sometimes we're like this, Lord, you can do anything but that. You know what Jesus is saying? Just give it to me. Doesn't matter the age you're at. Doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter, you know, where you came from, what side of the street, what part of the town, what the color of your skin looks like. It's not about that. But see, we as people, we associate things by what we see and sometimes by what we hear and what we're familiar with. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And see, what? And the second thing is that we build families. A healthy family is priceless. How many of you talking about? To be a pastor, you know, I hear a lot of people's pains. But can I just tell you something? Most people's pains come from family. It comes from their family. What do you mean? John chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. I mean, listen, he calls her out right here. You don't have just one husband. Hey, you've had five. I mean, like, dang. And the one you're living with? You ain't even married to that man you're living with now. Come on. How many of you you certainly, how many of you know? I mean, you certainly spoke the truth. In another version, she says, I perceive that you may be a prophet. So he's just telling her like it is. And Jesus isn't pointing out her past. Can I tell you what he's really pointing out? Her pain. How many of you know we all got a past? And sometimes that past associates pain. See, he knew her pain and where she had been. He knew the shame she was carrying. So what happened is, it's the avenue... Let me just, it's the avenue the devil uses to cripple us and weaken us. Because you know what the devil does? He whispers in our ear. Hey, you know, you know, let me get in here. Let you know who you are. You know where you're from. Remember when you did this when you were 10? Or you go, you're nasty. You're ugly. What am I talking about? I mean, I watched. I mean, I watched a show there between football. Okay, and it was on the channel, and it was this girl dressing up like being a doll, and it's like like funky habits people have, or one of those things. I don't know what it's called, like stupid habits people have, and she couldn't see who she really was, and she wanted to dress up like a doll. And put hair like a doll, face like a doll. I didn't watch it long. Because I was like, you ain't going to make a doll out of me. And then people would tell her, but you're beautiful. He goes, yeah, but I'm going to get my nose trimmed. And I'm going to. And then, like her whole life was to be like a doll. To look like a, a little doll. And she, she couldn't even find satisfaction in who God made her. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, we've got a lot of people like that. And see, the woman was carrying shame and pain. And I know that she, she came to get water in the sixth hour, and that was noon. The woman got water early in the morning. And late in the, you see, what they would do is, it, what they would do was habit in that society was they would go early in the morning. How many you know? If you're going to get something early in the morning, it's cooler in the morning. You know, even to go hunting. If you go hunting, you go in the morning while it's cooler and the animals move. 
or late in the afternoon. And it's the same way with this woman with the water. And But see, women, they would do that. But because of her shame and pain, she was isolated. How many of you know when you live in pain, you isolate yourself? How many of you ever lived an isolated life? You don't have to raise your hand. But how many because of... Sorry. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When you walk in shame and you're carrying that pain in your life, you don't want to talk to nobody. Especially the people that might know a little bit of your history. And then if they say something, it just kind of brings it back up. It's kind of like getting a sore on your arm and, or, or you have a sore leg or something like that. And somebody rubs on that sore, that scab, and you go, dang, that hurt again. Have you ever had those cuts that you have, you know, that sometimes if someone just touches it right, it just like it was remade. You know what I'm talking about? I have a second toe where I cut it with an axe one time because I didn't listen to my mama. And that's a whole nother story and I'm not going there. But sometimes if people step on my toe, I feel that like that cut all over again. You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like the pain of that thing that happened to me. Jesus knows our past and he knows our pain. See, the gospel and our church exist to help rebuild broken families. That's what we're all about. You see, we want to help people who have no families find a family. You see, it's not just about loving our church. It's the gospel. It's good news. The good news is you can be disconnected from your natural family, but you can find spiritual family in church. Now, that doesn't mean that you find that in all church. Some people have been wounded by that. People try to get close. And, 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 and can I just say something? We might have wounded people unintentionally wanting to do that. You know what I mean? Saying the wrong thing or not doing the, what they think that we need to do. You know, we're not in the box. But we want to take God out of the box and go, God, have your way. Do whatever you want in people's hearts. Heal their pain. God, Touch that wound that's in them. Pour your oil of healing in their lives. See, we want to help people who have no families. What, what, when something's broken, it's hard to function right. How many are you talking about? You know, have you ever had a broken bone? Anybody ever break a bone? I broke my collarbone. I broke this collarbone. <laughs> fell out of an attic. Playing in the house where my daddy told me not to play. Acted like I fell before. And then what happened is my brother ran home and told my dad I was dead. It knocked me out. My dad was like, oh, my God. You know, I mean, he's running to the house. And they brought me, I was, brought me to the doctor. It knocked me cuckoo. I didn't, I mean, I was like fractured my skull. That's what's wrong with me. Broke my collarbone. Had two black eyes. Missed school for like a week and a half, which was awesome back then. It hurts. You know, sometimes we can have physical wounds that affect us for the rest of our lives. But you know what? Sometimes we can have wounds that affect us because people just walked over our lives. And sometimes many families have been broken but are still limping through life. You know, when I was 10, there was a pain that happened in my life. My family was broken. My parents split up. It was a divorce. And they weren't serving the Lord. And, and now, you know, God did things in their hearts and I've forgiven them. And, you know, they've, you know they're li- they've gone on with their lives. But, you know, in a period of my life, that was a pain. You know, the people that I loved the most that I could see, you know what I mean, didn't like each other anymore. And that was hard for me. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and what happens is there's a story in, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 4. There's a guy named Mephibosheth. Say it when we say Mephibosheth. Some of you have talked in tongues this morning. Anyway, what happens is, is Mephibosheth, he was Saul's son. Jonathan had, had a son, and he named him Mephibosheth. He was crippled as a child. When he was five years old, what happened is Saul, who had ruled the kingdom, was killed. His son was killed in battle. And but what happened is, is the maid picks up Mephibosheth, who's, who worked for, for Jonathan's family. And what happens is she runs. And, and what happens is they hear, and, and, and they've been killed. And when the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him, and he became crippled. 
If families are unhealthy, then churches are unhealthy. See, what happens, Mephibosheth, if you know anything about it, he actually got, God later, J, David looked, he wanted to bless Jonathan because Jonathan, were, he would actually found Mephibosheth living like a, an animal in a place. And they had him cleaned up. And when he would sit at David's table, they would put a covering over his feet. And actually, he would never be king because you could, you, you, if you couldn't walk, you, weren't, you couldn't be king. Just like, just like an animal back then. It had to be a perfect animal that you sacrificed before God. And so he covered his shame. And see, that's what God does many times, just like the prodigal son. Remember, the father came and he gave him a robe. Why? Because he covered that son's shame. That's what Jesus does. He gives you authority to be a child, like puts that ring on your finger. He gives you sandals that are, sandals where only people that were free, that walked in freedom. And see, that's what God does with us. Jesus comes and he sees our pain and our shame and he covers us. You see, the family is God's force in the, in the earth. Why, why do you think the devil's so assaulting families today? Why do you think that is? Because I believe this. The enemy fears spirit-filled, God-fearing, Bible-believing families that build their lives on Jesus. Can I just give you, let me just make a statement. It's not in your notes. Part-time Christians can't defeat full-time devils. Can I just say that again? Part-time Christians can't defeat full-time devils. Because see, full-time devils, they, you know what? They come to rob, kill, and destroy. Jesus come to give life and what? Give it more what? Come on, preach with me a little bit. He come to give it abundantly. That means I insist you live the life. I insist you enjoy freedom. I insist that you live in peace of mind and peace of heart. You don't go around, oh me, oh my. You see, we don't build our families on the culture of this world, but we build on the convictions of the word of God. Someone could have shouted. See, doubt is easy. Conviction requires courage. It's easy to doubt. I just, you know, I doubt that'll work. I've never seen that work in me. But you know what? Conviction means, you know, I heard the word of God say that. That that I'm an overcomer through Christ who strengthens me. So I'm going to believe that word. I can't strengthen myself, but I need God strengthen me for what I'm facing right now. I cannot do this alone, but I need your power and I need your grace. Grace means God pouring his power in your life and you're able to live a life that you never thought you could ever live. That's what grace is really all about. Because see, we, we, we've talked about grace and it's this funky, feely kind of love. love. There's nothing wrong with love. I believe God's love is the greatest force in the universe. But grace gives us the power to live the life to love other people. Because listen, when you live an isolated life, you don't like people. Because you know why? They put pain on you and they hurt you. Am I making sense? You see, I, I, I just believe this. Can you imagine what our communities would look like if every husband loved his wife like Christ loved the church? And, and, if, if a wife, and, if, and if the wife was committed and submitted to her husband, and if the children obeyed their parents and honored God, what would our community look like? See, a healthy family should model, a healthy church should model a healthy family. See, what, that's what it is. You should come to church not just to sing songs, which is a good thing, but I heard someone, one of my old Bible teachers, most Christians sing more lies than they tell. Because it's important that you, you listen to the words and you, sing, you see what the words are saying. He said, that's me. That's a part of my life. I need what that, that song is saying in my life today. God, pour it out on me now. Worship is all about coming to God and going, God, I come and I make you everything in my life. I don't know how to live right. I don't know how to do right. I don't know how to be a good husband, a good provider, a good father. But God, you will teach me and I come and I worship you today because I'm leaving this place different than I came in. I want to be a changed man on the inside. And then on the in- if you change me on the inside, everything on the outside will begin to catch up. It'll just catch up. It'll just catch up. See, you know what? Let me just say, all of our pastors, from Pastor Josh to Pastor Jamie to Pastor Zach and even myself, our number one priority is to make sure that our, that our families are healthy. 
What does that look like? What does that mean, Pastor Bubba? That means that, you know what? If we see something, can I, we're going to love you enough to try to help you out. Thank you. We're just going to try to help you out. What does that mean, Pastor Bubba? That means, you know what? If we see something that's going to not be healthy inside of you, we're going to try to help you. Just like I've walked through cancer for five years, and they, they find that spot of cancer and go, unless we take that out. Come on, and you go through the treatment, and you, go, you endure some of this stuff we're going to give you. If you don't do this, you're not going to live as long as you could have. So what would you think your answer would be? Cut it out in Jesus' name and heal it while you're there. You hearing me? You know what I mean? We have people that have had bad news these last couple of months. But in the good thing is that let me just tell you something. Even in the midst of bad news, here's the good news. Jesus never leaves you and he never forsakes you. Then he's always with you. Say, he's with me. He's with me. He's with me. He's with you. See, Timothy says, for if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? You know, Paul's charge to Timothy, he's really saying, hey, the validity of ministry, Timothy, lies in a family. And if, if, if a man can't rule and if he can't lead or direct his home in spiritual matters, how could he take care of the church? Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Paul even sees, even is a, if, a, if a family's going to function right, if a church is going to function right, it starts with family. It starts with family. You see, the third thing is trans, you know, maybe trans, transform communities. God's called us not only to, to do that, but he's called us to transform communities. This woman was needing water, but not just natural water. She was needing living water. Come help me, ushers. How many of y'all thirsty this morning? Anybody thirsty this morning? Come on, anybody thirsty? Come on, y'all give it, y'all, come on, give it up. Give it out. Who's thirsty? We'll give you water. Come on, who's thirsty? Who's thirsty? I'm going to take a drink while they're doing that. I'm thirsty watching y'all. She was needing living water. See, bottled water and living water are essential to transforming communities. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Jesus fed 5,000 and he fed the, the 4,000. That was called compassion. He was meeting that physical need. Aren't you going, man, thank you, Pastor Bubba, for that water. You're welcome. But he realized that water and food can only go so far. How many are talking about? Listen, they cooked a nice jambalaya last week. It can only go so far. How many are talking about? I believe God multiplies things sometimes. You know? And, And see, I believe this is that what happens... In our lives is this, is that John says it like, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. You know what? I've learned this. I can drink all this I want, but I'm going to get thirsty again. But what happens, bubbling springs from within them in eternal life. See, God always gives bottled water in order to give living water. Sometimes God's got to meet a physical need before he can meet a spiritual need in someone's life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God's got to meet his physical needs sometimes. How many of you know maybe God did something in your life and because of, see, transforming communities, making people rich where they're poor. If God be your partner, let me add, if God's your partner, make big plans because he's going to do something great. You see, 2 Corinthians says it like this, you know, the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, Yet for your sakes, he became poor so that, that by his poverty, he could make you rich. What does that mean, Pastor? Jesus was always emptying himself. He gave everything to set us free. He emptied himself. He gave all of him, himself. I want us to be a church that empties itself to those who are poor. Does that make sense? But it's not just poor. See, whatever God has made, if, if whatever God has made, if God's made you rich, Take what you have and don't, don't keep it to yourself. Love, love flies out the window when there's no pork chop on the table. How many are you talking about? I'll say that again. 
So for some of you that are slow, I believe this love flies out the window when there's no pork chop on the table. See, it's one thing to love someone, but if you don't give them something to meet the need, hello, just to meet the need. I mean, I lived, listen, I lived and I worked on the streets of America for almost eight years. I've been to many inner cities. And there's one thing, I'd have guys, you know, it's like, man, hey, bro, you give me a dollar. I said, I won't give you a dollar. I said, but I'll buy you a meal. Bro, I don't want no money. I don't want no meal. Just give me a dollar. I had one, one time, he just goes, look, man. He said, look, I just need a dollar. I'm not close to getting some mad dog. Hey, yeah, at least he's more honest than most of them. I said, brother, don't make me a mad dog and give you a dollar. Just let's go down and let's make you a glad dog. Get something in your belly. Because, see, I believe this. If, you're, if, you're, if you have a rich marriage, take your marriage and pour it into those that have struggling marriages. Are you hearing me? Invite someone over. If you're rich in finance, take your finances and pour it into helping widows, help orphans, help the shut-ins, help the poor, help the elderly, those who are in prison, those that, that maybe you see people that are living, doing missions. Like we had Pastor Barry a couple of weeks ago here and, and just going to Albania. Who wants to go to Albania? Nobody. <laughs> no, you're laughing, but it's true. Why? Because it's hard. It's difficult. Through Jesus' poverty, he made us rich. But Peter said in Acts, I don't have any silver and gold, but what, I, what, I, what I'll give you, what I have. And he said this, in the name of Jesus Christ, Nazarene, get up. And walk. See, there are those who are poor in health. You know what we need to do? We need to pray for their healing. We don't pray God touch them. We pray God heal them. So I don't want anybody praying God touch me. He touches me all the time. I'm praying God heal me. Joel doesn't need anybody saying, we're going to pray that God touch him. He don't need, listen, Jesus just touched him. God needs to heal him. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know, maybe you're walking through something right now. You don't want to touch. You want a healing. How many of you, maybe you're struggling through pain and difficulty. And you say, man, I don't want to face that anymore. I need God to help me to be an overcomer. I don't just need to touch. I want to overcome. And see, there are those. And so I believe this. When those guys prayed that, I believe they had a divine order from God just to pray for that guy. There was a new sheriff in town. His name was Jesus. And see what happened? They gave him Jesus. This was where ability to heal came from. It was from him. It was from Jesus. And the last thing was that we go and we make disciples. What, what, what is a disciple? Someone who has a personal and continual encounter with Jesus Christ. You see, John 4, 25 and 26 says, The woman said, I, she, she said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. In other words, he said these words that no one spoke. He said, ego, imi, means I am. There are two issues here in this story. The woman's hardship and Jesus' lordship. Jesus wants us to choose who he is not. Just for what he does. Can I say that again? Jesus wants us to choose him for who he is. Just for who he is. Just for what he does. Not just for what he does. See, there are a lot of people who choose to follow him only for what he does. We look at him like Fred Flintstone. Yabba dabba do. That's all we need to do. When, G- when people get settled and comfortable, let me, let me just say this. They tend to pay less attention to their maker and more attention on the things that he made. You know what's wrong with America? We're comfortable. We want the things he made when really we need him. 
It's not just the church. It's a person. His name's Jesus. That's who we need. We need him. See, a lot of times we want the things. You know, sometimes my kids want me for the things that I have in my pocket. You know what I'm saying? Daddy, I love you. If you give me a bin, you be my friend. It's about what I give them instead of just loving me for who I am. Are you hearing me? That's what I love. I mean, Olivia, sometimes in the mornings, if it's a Saturday and if I'm sleeping in and if she's still getting up, she gets up kind of early, she'll come sneak in bed with me and cuddle up with me. Now, the only other one that would do that was my son, Andrew. It's just, I mean, I mean, it's true. They just come and cuddle up with me, hug on me, rub my hair. I'm kind of like, ah, that feels good. <laughs> There's something about that. You know, my love language is physical touch, you know. And, and see, I believe this is that what happens is, is that, I, I believe this is that Lord is who he is and Savior is what he does. See, the Lord is who Jesus is. He's the Lord. Savior is what he does. He saves us, mostly from ourselves. How many of you tried to be, how many of you tried to be better on your own? How'd that work out for you? Work out pretty good? That was your best, right? But then you invited him into your life. And all of a sudden, something changed. Is that true? Did, he, did you change? And then what happens is, when he becomes Lord of your life, and you ask him into your heart, and you ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit, are you hearing me? All of a sudden, you have the power to live what you couldn't do before. And all of a sudden, he becomes the Lord of your life. And you go, God, whatever you want, whatever you need, here I am. I want to do, God, I want to please you. I want to honor you. How many are you talking about? How many of you pray those prayers sometimes? God, whatever you want me to do, God, that's what I want to do. I want to honor you. I want to please you. A real disciple loves him and follows him for who he is. See, Luke says, so why do you call me? Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? When you don't do what I say. And another version goes, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but yet you don't do what I tell you to do? You see, the Greek means this. When it says Lord, it means supreme authority. That means God is supreme authority over everything in our lives. We follow Jesus not because he can help us with our hardship, but because he is. He is our Lord. Because we understand lordship. See, John says it like this, John 4 Verse 40 and verse 41, it says, When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many to hear the message and believe. See, the heart of our church is to make disciples who make disciples. What does that mean? What does that look like, Pastor? Here's a practical thing. If someone comes to our church and they come and they go, I want to give my life to Jesus. And they go through next step. And they go, wow, they begin to find out, this is how I should be walked. This is, it's just taking me back to the Bible. Are you hearing me? That I make the Bible a part of my life. I make prayer a part of my life. I begin to go out and be a witness. That means I begin to share my faith with others and what God has done in my life. And the people around you, begin, and you begin to share your faith with your family. And sometimes you don't have to it's not words. It's kind of like this. You've heard me say there's five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And most people don't read the first four, but they'll always read you. Because you're, you're the fifth Gospel. You live it out. And when you begin to live it out, people go, man, i got to give me some of that. I remember when you were in the world and somebody had some good stuff. Don't, let me li- don't look at me like I'm strange. That's right, you, man, I got to give me some of that. That's right, Kelp. Hey, man, I got to give me some of that. How much that costs? I don't care what it costs. You mean what? That's some quality stuff? Whoa, it's going to cost me a little more. You see, I've learned this. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, listen, you come to church and you can make him Savior. You come to church and you go live the life and you make him Lord of your life. You know what begins to happen? Everything around you changes but can i tell you something all of a sudden you become something that you weren't before you know what that is attractive 
Come on. I'm, y'all been looking for that for a long time, some of you people. Look in the mirror. Man, if I was just attractive. Can I tell you something? When you serve God, he makes you attractive. He can make a beautiful woman more beautiful. He can make an ugly man look all right. Come on. There's just something about a man that loves God. A man that loves his wife. A man that leads his family, leads his children, and and, and stands up and has a a backbone like a crowbar when it comes to truth and says, you know what? It doesn't matter the way the wind of the world or culture culture blows. I'm going to follow God, and I'm going to honor Him. I'm going to please Him. See, I believe this. The church is the vehicle that grows you from a believer to a disciple. That's all we are. We're like the car. <laughs> you got a destiny, a purpose for life. We're just giving you the keys. Just put it in the issue and turn it. And we're just trying to tell you. And listen, I'm not, listen, I'm not the, the driving instructor. I'm a bad instructor. You don't want that. You know, you know why? Because I, I get nervous. How many of you talking about? Have you ever tried to teach someone to drive? No, 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 not, no. Turn, your kids especially. I told you, I mean, like some comes on, don't, no. How many of you talking about? You just, hey, if you don't have kids that drive yet, you, you just wait. Your day's coming. Get a stick shift. You know what I'm saying? All right. Let me just wrap this up, and I'm done, okay? God's come, first of all, to, God's come to tell us it's about reaching people and building lives. Our desire is to reach people and see their lives and build families. How many of you, you know what? God loves families. God you know, a lot, when I look around here, there's a lot of families in this church. Why is that? Because God's into redeeming families. Because fam- in some families, they're pretty messed up. How many of you say, I know what you're talking about, Pastor Bubba? But he wants to transform a community. That doesn't, mean, that doesn't just mean a city. That means a whole, whole area that God wants to bring influence and transform a community. That people see things different. And then we go and we make disciples. And that's what he, Jesus said. He said, when if, listen, if your daddy told you don't sell the barn, don't sell the land, that was his last words. How many you know you're not going to sell it? We have a corner that we're trying to buy in Eunice. The lady's like 93, 94 years old. I tell Jamie to call her every month. She lives in Florida. Because she, her grandpa told her not to sell that corner. It's the only corner that's left on Highway 190, right next to the church. And she told Jamie, she goes, I'm not selling that because my grandpa told me not to sell the property. And I tell Jamie, said, you better get to her before she dies. I put, listen. Hey, I'm not, hey, I put guilt, whatever I got to do. But, you call her. He said, and I, I'll get on it. You go, did you call her? Pastor, I called her. I mean, I'm wearing them out. Call them again. Wear them out. And she told him, he said, you'll have first chance. See? Now she went from no to first chance. You know? And so what happens is, I just believe this, guys, is, it, is this, is that God wants, listen to me. And I am done. I'm not doing two closings. The most important thing you and I can do is allow God to build us and to set us in his family. See, that's what the gospel is. You might have had some bad news in your life, but the good news is that Jesus came. And when he came, he came to rescue us from our pain and our shame, to set us free, that we could be different on the inside. And because he makes a difference on the inside, all we do is reflect what he's already done on the inside to others around us. Amen? You know, and the Bible says this. Just close your eyes. I want to pray for you, but I, 
felt like the Lord gave me this word this morning. Before I pray and ask you a question, it just says, you don't need to dim the lights. It's okay. Just close your eyes. The Bible says this in Philippians. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your, your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Maybe you came this morning and you know, maybe you've been praying, but there's no peace. Maybe you've walked in shame and pain because you haven't allowed God to guard your heart and your mind. We say, Pastor Bubba, I don't want to leave here today like that. I want, I want to give my heart to Jesus because I want that peace that that scripture talks about. I don't want to be anxious or worried about things anymore. I want to cast my cares on him because the Bible says that he cares for me. If you have a request, the scripture right there says, present your request to God. Maybe you're here this morning and say, I just want to give my life to him. That's your greatest request. If that's you, say, Pastor Bob, that's what I need. I need to give my life. No one looking around. I need to give my life to Jesus. I want to trust him with my whole heart. That's me. Will you pray for me, Pastor Bubba? If that's you, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. you. Put it down. Anyone else? I won't take long. Just anyone else? Can I just say this? God saw your hand, but more than that, He hears your cry. Would everybody pray this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I come. I give you my sins. Though they may be many, I've held on the pain shame I don't want those things anymore I come this morning and I give you my life I give you my heart in fact I give you everything I want to follow you I want to serve you I know that you're my savior but I want you to be the Lord of my life help me to hear your voice to know your voice but most of all to obey your voice I give you my life I give you my all from this day forward I'm going to serve you with all that's in me come on give the Lord